You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1196. Alzheimer's affects... affect. Excuse me, Alzheimer's affects millions across the nation every year. On the front line of fighting for an end to Alzheimer's is the Alzheimer's Association. I've invited Ann Gray, Executive Director, to join us today to share more about her work and the organization and the association. And welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. Let's start, before we talk about the association, let's talk about Ann Gray. Can you tell us a little bit about your path and how did you get to the point where you are now as the Executive Director? Well, I grew up in Orange County. And I was fortunate enough that my mom exposed me to the needs in the community at a very early age. And uh, it was very important to me to be able to give back to the community as part of my career. Mm-hmm. And so I've been in nonprofit fundraising for over 30 years now. And I've, I've mainly raised funds for medical causes and arts organizations and secondary education. So my path to Alzheimer's Association was really through initially my desire to help others. And my grandfather also died from Alzheimer's disease. So Sorry to hear that. Yeah, he was uh, an amazing man. He was a World War II Navy veteran. He wow. was an air traffic controller, and he retired at 55, so we spent tons of time with him as, as children and, and have wonderful memories, and so it was heartbreaking when he lost his memory. Right. And I didn't really know the Alzheimer's Association was available to help us at the time he was diagnosed, so it's my passion to make sure that people know we're here to help. So, if I might ask, how how long did he live? He lived until he was 86, okay. and he had Alzheimer's for about seven years. That's a long time, isn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. And there are stages to having Alzheimer's, isn't there? Yes, and most people are diagnosed in the middle stage of the disease. Um, it's really important for people to get early diagnosis for a lot of reasons, okay. which I'm happy to go into. But yes. there's we, we define it as the early, middle, and late stages of Alzheimer's because one of the sayings in the Alzheimer's Association is if you've seen one case of Alzheimer's, you've seen one case of Alzheimer's. Okay. Affects people so differently. Wow. So, why is it? more likely to be diagnosed in the second stage rather than earlier? It's it's a very difficult to d- disease to diagnose. Um, there's no test that's definitive for Alzheimer's yeah, disease. Yeah, can't take a blood test. Uh, we're working on that. Okay. It's, it could be promising very soon, oh. but the definitive tests really are a cerebral spinal tap that's not really available in your primary care physician's office. Um, the other reason is that um, it's not something that physicians talk about with their patients on a oh, regular basis. Really? Uh, it's part of the Medicare wellness visit to ask about someone's cognitive health and about 50% of doctors do it and um, it's 50% 50% of patients think that they should talk to their doctor about it, but they're waiting for their doctor to ask. So it's sort of a chicken and egg thing. Right. The, the doctors are very limited on their time. And if it's it's not something the patient brings up, they don't cover it. But I would, I don't know, this is, a, tell me if this is right, that maybe the patient recognizes in stage one that something's not right, or do they not? Is it something yeah. that people might feel it? I, I think it's it's different for each individual. Right. Some people are very stubborn and think nothing's wrong with me. Okay. Other people are 
concerned very early that maybe they're having symptoms and they they will do their research online and and will talk to their doctor about it. And then other people may have concerns, but they don't really want to know what the reality Mm. is of of maybe why they're experiencing their decline. But it's really important for people to talk to their physician about it because it could be an underlying thing like lack of sleep or a thyroid imbalance or even a bladder infection. So if you are experiencing problems with cognition, it's very important for people to talk to their doctor about. So it's important for me to share that. Right. Thank you for doing that. We'll we'll come back around to it as well because I, I, um, I personally was touched by my mother uh, with Alzheimer's and uh, you know, I mean, many of the people in our audience today, you have a loved one or know someone who had a loved one who unfortunately, you know, succumbed to this terrible disease. So what is the mission of the Alzheimer's Association, Anne Gray? Yes. Well, our mission is about people in science. Our mission is to end Alzheimer's disease through research. It's to provide free care and support for people on this journey until we find that cure. And it's to educate people about brain health. Okay. So how... You said something earlier, which was hopeful, which about maybe a blood test, but what's the latest in the research against this terrible disease? We're, we're learning more about the genetic makeup and how that could impact whether people are likely to get Alzheimer's disease. Really? We're learning a lot in research due to new pet imaging that shows the pathology of Alzheimer's disease in the brain in a living person. What is PET imaging? PET imaging is basically an image of the brain through x-ray. Okay. Yeah. It has a very long, fancy word, so we use the acronym, but most most people are familiar with PET imaging. And the challenge with the diagnosis of Alzheimer's with PET imaging is it's a very specific test, and it's currently not covered by insurance or Medicare, so we're doing work to show the importance of early diagnosis for reducing hospital stays and other things. Things that can impact the cost in the healthcare system. Okay, because um, maybe uh, we don't really understand this disease as well as we could as a population. So, is it an advantage then for early diagnosis? And if so, what difference does it make to the kind of the patient's life? Yeah, it's early diagnosis is something the Alzheimer's Association is passionate about okay. because it right now people who maybe have Alzheimer's aren't even told by their physician because they feel like there's nothing that can be done and there's a lot that can be done. Uh, People with an earlier diagnosis can make more decisions about their own care and plans. Their families can prepare financially and they can band together and enjoy every moment until the disease takes hold. Mm. Is there anything going on on the front of either slowing it down or anything that could, you know, help the patient to maybe survive longer with their memory or at least parts of their memory. Sure. We're, we're working on that very hard as well. Right now, the, the drugs that are approved by the FDA just modify the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, but they don't slow the progression. There are some drugs in clinical trials that are showing some promise in reversing the effects of Alzheimer's disease. Reversing it? Mm-hmm. Very, very early. Well, and that's hopeful, though. Promising. You know, yeah, we're right, hopeful right, about that, it. That, don't rush we're, out the bottom yeah, yet. No, no. If, it, if it's not approved by the FDA and we aren't shouting it from the mountaintops. It's probably not time to spend money on that. But um, we're very hopeful. And, and with the being able to see the Alzheimer's pathology in the brain now in clinical trials, we can develop our targets much more uh, specifically to impact Alzheimer's. So getting people an early diagnosis is also important as far as when research um, allows us to intervene early in the disease. Um, We liken Alzheimer's disease right now and the public health 
crisis that it is, uh, really, as a, and compared to the HIV-AIDS crisis in the 80s. In the 80s, HIV-AIDS was a death sentence. Yes. Today, because of the research and the public health messaging around HIV and AIDS, it's a chronic manageable condition for most people, which is where we strive to be for Alzheimer's. And that came about through a lot of hard effort, through a lot of people, you know, their fight isn't over yet. They, they're they working on a cure and they have some right. um, promise there right now that's very exciting. But if we can get Alzheimer's disease to a manageable condition and halt it in its tracks and not have the brain deteriorate any more than when we're able to catch Alzheimer's disease in people. Right. It will change. It will be a game changer for our nation financially. It'll be a game changer for families, and it'll be a game changer for those individuals who can live out their golden years with their their memories intact. Yes, we're talking with Ann Gray. She's the executive director for the Alzheimer's Association here in Southern California, Orange County in particular. I'm wondering. I see you have a sheet in front of you. On a couple, I do. Uh, just a couple of questions. Any sense for? The impact of Alzheimer's on the economy, or you know, how, like how much is it costing the society to have so many people afflicted? With well, this? it's it's trillions of dollars when you look at Jeez. what the impact really truly is. But it impacts every family in a in a very. Um, hard way. I, I think for people with Alzheimer's disease and the impact to their family, the, the number that we have is about $395,000 is cost to care for someone with Alzheimer's oh. disease if they have the average lifespan. And, wow. you know, who really has that? Right? And who who's capable of that? You know, and it, it comes from a lot of different sources, sources, you know, from the Medicaid and Medicare and family finances. I mean, it, it's expensive to get people the care that they need, but people in the middle to late stages of Alzheimer's really can't be left by themselves they'll they'll wander off they can't feed themselves they can't dress themselves they can't bathe themselves i mean the daily functions of life they need constant 24/7 care and primarily people who care for people with alzheimers are a loved one and they're unpaid and they might yes. still be in the workforce so that impacts our economy from that standpoint they are maybe not able to be as productive as they would otherwise and they're they're really um, struggling to do everything that they need to do to care for their loved one and be successful in their work. And do we know, are there any environmental causes for it? Is is depression linked to this? Is there anything that the audience can think about that they might be able to do from their own present point of view and peace of mind to maybe try to help prevent it or something? Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of studies to definitively answer that. The things we know definitively right now is heart health is brain health. You want to keep your vascular system healthy mm. so that your brain gets all the nutrients and oxygen that it needs to remain healthy. That we know. Okay. And so we are really encouraging people to be active, keep their diet healthy, you know, you have to enjoy life. It's not to say, you know, never have a cupcake or never have, you know, a glass of wine. You want to enjoy life. You just want to do. do those things in moderation and okay. really be as healthy for your body as possible. Is The Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet are two diets that we recommend people follow for overall um, low inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. And it's not proven to prevent Alzheimer's, but inflammation is related to Alzheimer's. So if you can reduce inflammation in the body, that's important. Wow. So... So much to consider. And the brain is such a complex organ, right? I mean, it, it, uh, the research must just be, because yeah. then if everyone is unique, that just makes it even more of a challenge for Absolutely. the researchers. Because what might work for this person may not for yeah. someone else. Yeah, and there's several different types of Alzheimer's disease. Oh, um, boy. There's dominantly inherited Alzheimer's disease, and that's a very small uh, 
percent of the population okay. and they have a very specific gene type that we know if they have this combination of genes they will develop alzheimer's Jeez. and they develop it in their 40s oh. and they're they're you know wow. gone by the time they're 50 and it's it's really unfortunate but it's also a great clinical trials group for us because they're so passionate and willing to participate in our sure. clinical trials right. because yeah. they don't want this for their families and their their future generation and they're they're probably wow. our our best um, clinical trial subjects for this type of thing. And then also we have people with early onset Alzheimer's who aren't part of that dominantly inherited gene group who get Alzheimer's disease in their early 50s or early 60s. And you know that's becoming more common. There are about 200,000 people in the United States right now that have Alzheimer's disease before the age of 60. The greatest risk factor, of course, is age, but yeah. age is not the only risk factor. There, If you have a family member, a parent, a sibling, you, you are at greater risk for Alzheimer's disease, but uh, we're doing everything we can to stop it in its tracks. Wow. Okay. Well, this is... Uh I'm going to maintain a hopeful disposition because exactly. of great people like you and great organizations like yours. You know, I always like to ask executive directors and CEOs of their companies if they have a core philosophy, uh, how you're leading and growing your organization. I think of it as a guiding principle here on Critical mm -hmm. Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Andy, have one that you could share with our audience? Well, my guiding principle is really being here for people who need us and showing up every day to make sure that as many people as possible know who that we're here and we're here to help. And so our team, obviously, it's, you know, it's a very hard subject and we work with families going through the worst moments in their life. And so we really try to keep an upbeat and positive um, attitude in our office. We feel that everything that we do as an organization is building a relationship and that's very important to us. Um, and we, we really strive to have excellence in all of our core objectives. Yeah, it has to be because it, um, it has... It ha it's a noble thing that you're doing because there's so much that you have to console and counsel other people because they're going through what must be a very difficult time in their life, mm -hmm. either individually or, as you said, the loved ones who are now having yeah. to deal with this. So that must take a certain person to be able to do that in your organization yeah. and you in particular. Yeah. And, so. and everybody on our team, we have 12 staff here in Orange County. Our office is in Orange, and all of us have a personal connection to Alzheimer's disease. Some of our team's relatives are living with the disease presently uh -huh. and others have lost their loved one to Alzheimer's. So it's, you know, we're all here because we love our work and right. we're, we're good at what we do, but we're also here because of the mission and our personal connection. So what's the current challenge that you're facing at the Alzheimer's Association? Well, you know, we'd like research to move faster and that off obviously comes with more funds directed to research and the Alzheimer's Association uses those funds very effectively. So fundraising is a challenge always. We okay. can always do more with more uh -huh. uh, funds. And we also want people to know that we're here for them while we're working on a cure. I think the thing that's most heartbreaking for me to hear is when people say, I wish I'd known about you sooner. Right. And that's my story. You know, I wish our family had known about the Alzheimer's Association sooner. We have a 1-800 number that people can call 24-7. It's free. And you don't even need to know why you're calling. You can just call and say, I'm struggling. My loved one has Alzheimer's. I'm struggling. I think I might be getting Alzheimer's. Oh, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do because my 
sister's taking care of my dad in Ohio. We can help people in all of those situations. And it is something that we are very proud of because it is a free service and it is designed to meet people where they are. They don't even need to know why they're calling and we're here to help. And people call multiple times. It's their lifeline. Is the federal government behind this research? I mean, is there funds coming through the appropriate organizations at a federal level? Absolutely, absolutely. The NIH, the National Institutes Uh for Health, has been an extremely, really just an extraordinary partner for the Alzheimer's Association. And several years ago, they worked with us on building the National Alzheimer's Plan to how to address an effective treatment by 2025, Mm -hmm. and worked with us to work with Congress on the research funding that we need to meet the benchmarks to get to that goal. They they know what, what targets they need to hit to get there, and they just know the funds that it takes to get those answers. And so they've been right. a tremendous partner. And I just got back from Washington, D.C. We asked the National Institutes, or asked for another $350 million in research for the National Institutes for Health for this upcoming fiscal year. And uh, we've been very successful at getting additional research funding because of the NIH's partnership in developing this plan because our elected officials want to know, do you have a plan for the money and will it help? And the answer is yes and yes. Okay, so there is progress being made even though we haven't found a cure or maybe something that would uh, be a vaccine against it. Right, right. But we're working on all of those things. So I I, I always want to ask our nonprofit friends if you have an upcoming event that you might want to make our audience aware of the help maybe a fundraising maybe a gala maybe an athletic event given your organization do you have something like that we have several of okay. course um, our women and all's luncheon is actually coming up May 3rd and it is at the Fashion Island Hotel in Newport Beach we are honoring Linda Sedegi of the lab if mm, you're familiar in sure. Costa Mesa it's a wonderful community um, center and Linda's receiving our community epicenter award The brain is the epicenter of the body, makes everything happen, and we'd like to honor a woman in Orange County who makes things happen, and Linda's certainly a woman with vision and makes things happen, so we're very excited she's on our team. She's been personally impacted by Alzheimer's um, with several people in her family, Mm. so she's, she's definitely with us in this fight and then we have our uh, walk to end Alzheimer's in the fall and we do three locations in Orange County we want to meet people where they are in the community to walk with us so Mm -hmm. our walk at the Irvine Great Park is September 28th our walk in Huntington Beach is the following Saturday and then our walk in San Clemente is Sunday October 13th and the San Clemente site is brand new for us this year and why why did you pick San Clemente this year because it's a wonderful community and right. it's a great time of the year to be out walking in San Clemente right? to be walking in San Clemente and it really is we were just so fortunate to find a partner who wanted to uh, work with us to sure. uh, grow the walk the outlets at San Clemente oh, have yeah. been tremendous for us and it's a site where we can grow and San Clemente is a, a, a hike to Irvine and so we yes. wanted to you know serve that community with with a wonderful event we call the walk to end Alzheimer's the largest support group because mm. you're with people who have been through or are going through something similar and you're also with people who don't want to have Alzheimer's impact you know their children or their children's children right it's a long slow from my personal experience, yeah. from the day you realized, like for us, our mother had it, and then from there through the end was actually, in some strange way, the last year or so was her best year because her natural personality came back and she was happy. And I mean, there wasn't yeah. much there, but what was there was a pleasant person. So yeah. that made me feel good. But it was 
it's very sad. Yeah, the the agitation that's really exhibited in the the early and and middle stages of the disease as as the disease progresses, that definitely declines. Right. That was the story with my grandfather as well. At first, we were like. What's going on with him? He's it's, he's totally different. He's right. so angry, right. and it's not mean. his norm. He's right. just like the sweetest person on the planet. And by the time he passed away, um, which was you know only seven years after he was diagnosed, um, we were uh, pretty fortunate. And it doesn't sound right to say it, but he passed away of a heart attack, and it was almost a blessing to not see him decline further into the disease. He didn't know us at that point, right. but you know when we visited him in the hospital, it was like these nice people are here to see me again. And we brought him donuts and that was like, he was just happy. And so seeing the twinkle back in his eye was really gratifying. Right. If uh, someone would like to learn more about your organization, how do they find you online? They can find us very easily at alz.org. Boy, that is easy. (laughs) And the information of the gala and the walks, all of that is available there? They can go to our local chapter website once they visit the main site, and they'll get all of that. So there's a link to that from the There absolutely is. They just type in their zip code, and it comes right up to our page. Well, Anne Gray, thank you for being a friend of the program, part of the critical mass community, and doing such important work for us here, not just in Southern California, but across the country, maybe around the world as well, in your fight against Alzheimer's disease. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Much. It's my right. pleasure. You're welcome. And I'd like to thank our engineer for today, none other than Mr. Paul Roberts, <laughs> and our three producers, without whom we couldn't do the show Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me, let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F R A N Z I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 